here is part two of our interview with Steve Archibald, the lovely, wonderful Steve Archibald. Get ready, prepare yourself even for some amazing insight into those four years as a player with Barca. How Terry Venables imported Liverpool's defensive system to win La Liga. What it's like to score and win in a season-opening classical. A look inside the incredible talent and unpredictable mind of Brent Schuster. <clears throat> the world's worst massage. Hi, Mum. And how to avoid one of the most notorious hitmen in the history of European football. Steve's in the process of writing his long-awaited autobiography. It will be superb. By the end of this interview, you should know how much that is going to be worth waiting for. Here at the big interview and on Twitter, we'll keep you posted about Steve's project. Finally. This is the last podcast of 2016. Like all the top European pros, we're off on a winter training camp. Back on January 12th with another compilation show from the first season of The Big Interview. The main man about whom everybody will be talking is one Alexander Chapman Ferguson. Fergie. For now, enjoy the Spanish adventures of one of his former players, the man that around here they call Steve Archigoles. Take it away, Stevie. I think I'm hearing intertwined themes in that, you know, the way you play, it impresses Terry Venables when you're at Aberdeen, he's at Crystal Palace, you play Terry's team in the cup final, you win. It maybe wasn't an automatic or a natural that you should then decide, I need this man, this footballer, this character, as I try and establish myself at Football Club Barcelona. But I, I suppose I asked the same question, did you have any doubts about moving from Spurs to Barcelona? And what were the criteria you used to say, yes, I'm, I'm going to... I'm good enough for this, I'm going to try this, I'm going to take this risk, or accept this challenge. It's never like that. Not in my brain, it was never like that. I didn't want to go to Barcelona. I didn't never ever want to leave Spurs. But Irving Scholar had come in then, yes. and, uh, and he wanted the money. And, you know, back at that time, you didn't have any real power. Yeah. If you were gone, you were gone. Either it was just to, to Barcelona or somewhere else, you were gone. It's question time. Or you didn't go and you, you rotted in the reserves. Yeah. They could never have done that with me because my... my uh, my level at that time was they could never, nobody would have accepted that, but still, their life would have been difficult. So Irving wanted the money. He was come in. He's a, a youngish guy that wanted, thought he could rule the world, and he had no idea how a football club ran really. Uh, anyway, I got a call from from somebody. Uh, said that Terry wanted to, to to meet me, and so I went to meet him in a in a hotel, and he discussed it. He said, "I want you to come." He said, "I want you to come because you." And he discussed mentality. He said, "You're strong enough mentality for this. I know it." You score goals, you're tough, you're quick, and that's what I need. I want you to come. But I didn't want to go. And uh, I wanted to stay at Spurs, but nobody, there was nobody at Spurs saying, stay. Nobody was saying, yeah, here's a new contract. It was, it was, well, that's typical uh, Irving at that time, Irving Scott at that time. So the deal was on, and I went, and I went to Barcelona. We sat down, we're talking, and uh, they had Hugo Sanchez upstairs, of course, and uh, because the club wanted him. But but Terry said, uh, no, 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 I want him. So it went on for hours and I thought, fuck this. I said, uh, listen, um, they, uh, to me, it's, it looks like they don't want me. I'm going, yeah, I've had yeah. enough. Just, Terry said, no, 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 you'll see. You'll say, just give me half an hour. So we, I waited and waited and then the president walked in, Jose Luis Nunez, and uh, you know, come in like a coat over the shoulders and stuff. And uh, and I'd been primed by somebody else what to say to him if he came and spoke to me. So he comes in and... and uh, Juan Gaspar, my very good friend, said, 
Steve, come and meet Mr. Uh, President Mr. Nunez. And the President said to me, because after these hours of talks and talks, and I was, I was gone, I was ready, I was walking. And uh, I said, Steve, uh, do you want to sign for Barcelona? And the person at Prime, he said, when you, when you, if he asks you any question, just look in his eye and, and answer him. So I looked him straight in the eye. He said, do you want to He looked at me straight in the eye. He said, do you want to sign for Barcelona? I said, yes. He said, okay. With that, he turned and the deal was done in seconds. Gosh. And that was the end of it. And then it was too late for me to walk <laughs> when I was there. What a strange carry on. The coach they've hired has such a clear idea of the footballer and the person that he wants. Mm. Yet there's, a, there's hours and hours of dilly-dallying, irrespective of whether Hugo Sanchez is a good footballer or not. It's a very... No, it's a power struggle between the club and Terry. Yeah. And you're never strongest, stronger as a manager on your first day. So Terry had to win. If he'd have lost that, he'd have lost... He'd have had nothing. What, what do you, so you've got, there's no internet, there's no sky television out there. You, have you got a very clear perception of what kind of squad you're joining or what kind of football they play? I had no idea. Yeah. Never, never heard of any, anybody in the team. Mm. Never been to Spain on holiday. Never wanted to go to Spain on holiday. Mm. And never come into my brain in any way, shape or form. She was. Any way, shape or form. Nothing. And uh, all of a sudden I was there, yeah. When you walk into the camp now, what effect does that have on you? Does it, does it impress you as a stadium? When you see that you've signed, when you see this place you're going to play for the first time, empty or full? Uh, after I'd signed. Hmm. Is it inspirational? Is, is it interesting? Because it's, it's one hell of a place. Well, the, uh, after I'd signed, they just took me away to a hotel. I didn't see a stadium. Hmm. So I never saw it till next day, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, it, 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 I thought oh, it was big. <laughs> that was That's a better way to say it. Okay, and that was all. Oh, but that, yeah. the key thing for everything is the pitch is the same size. Of, okay, maybe two yards or three. I yards understand. Same pitch, the same eleven players here, and eleven players here, and everything else is the same. So it's all tucked away. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. The crowd's not going to bother you because of the, the, the your crowd anyway. Nobody's going to kill you. It's just a question of eleven against eleven. And again, back to the same questions you get in training ground the first day, mm-hmm. and you look at yourself and you look at them. You think, "Am I good enough for this? Can I handle this?" Mm-hmm. And they're looking at you as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just you; it's looking. They're looking, and uh, and I could, and and uh, and everybody was happy. What stands out in training when you begin to train those first few days? Is it? I don't know. Is it Schuster's touch? Is it? Does Miguel give you one as a hello? Or what? What does stand out? Nothing. Just the. Um, the boxes when you we train in boxes because they're fanatical, you know, five against two, which was uh, was a big pleasure for players to to play in that, and uh, and that's where they judge you, because you know balls flying around that. And if you've not got a touch, it's Mickey has his major camp now career because yeah. nobody's testing you more than you and Mickey fingering the ball that your your first touch is like glue. No, my first touch was was great. Yeah. There's no problem. The first touch, of, and you never get to to be the very top of anything if your touch is not good. But anyway, it was good. And it was uh, it was good, and uh, there was good. There was nobody in that in that in the five against two that was better than mine. So nobody. So that's how you judge, and that's how they judge you. And and then they get comfortable, and they give the, give you the ball, and and then they play with you, and then you get a little bit closer, and then and little by little, it um, that's how it works. The first game goes quite well. The first competitive game goes quite well. And these days, these days, these modern days, you've you've on and off, you've you've lived in Barcelona since. And you never get a classical in the first game. first game. Because <laughs> it's too marketing and yeah. the computer seems to always coincidentally spew out. Oh, yeah. oh, November, December, March, April. Yeah. Game one. Yeah. Away at Madrid. Yeah. 
What's the experience like? Well, it's. Um, I remember. I remember it funnily enough because uh, when it came out, it was gloom and doom. Players were saying, "Oh, Madrid away first game," and then Terry turned it on its head in the press more than anything else. He said, oh, "What a fantastic first fixture we've got," and he built it up that way, and that changed everybody's brain. Just simple as that. And then everybody thought, "Oh yeah, Madrid away first game, brilliant." And all of a sudden, the dressing room, the, the, the doom and gloom had gone. So the psychology in that was of the utmost importance. Did you remember that were the people around you? Because they, you you said you made the point that Barcelona had a really poor league history. They, they, I, I can't remember the date, but it had been years since they won the title. I thought it Bilbao could win it, Real Sociedad could win it. Were the players nervous? What, what, did some of the players carry a special we have to win this or we have to not be humiliated because we're in the Lions then it's Madrid it's a very special rivalry well it was it was a, a worry yeah of course it was because the first game away to Madrid but because of the what Terry had done in training and, he, and he, he showed them a system of playing which was fantastic defensive system of playing and everybody was convinced within two weeks of the system of playing because we'd done it in pre-season we beat um, Boca 9-1 I think or 9-2 in was the record, I think it still is a record, and it may still be the record in, in a Gamper tournament. Yeah. Uh, and I scored the goals. I scored two goals, and the way we, the way the way it was organised at the back is the players still talk about it now and still use it, and it's a fantastic. Uh, what did he go to a three with wing backs, or how, no, how did he? No, no. no, I'm not going to tell me to, to go through the whole thing, but it, basically nobody gets down the line. You're all. Sh- pushed inside so you come out to that defender then he's put if he gets past him he's coming out to that defender before you know it you, you're away with the ball and it's gone nobody gets down the line and it was developed from a Liverpool way of playing it's his, his best friend in football in those days probably still now is George Graham and it's something that George believes passionately in as well always always show them inside yeah but the the actual detail that he went into was was crucial for the players to convince the players because the players didn't know who, who he was right coming in fair point and well he's, made he's, he's Turning the world upside down, defensively speaking, he gives freedom in attacking sense, gives options, but then gives freedom. Uh, but defensively, he uh, it went into intimate detail. When, when you begin to live in Barcelona after that first game, do you notice around you socially or in your neighbourhood or in your treatment in a hotel or a restaurant that you've scored in a class? Is there are you a hero figure? Yeah, of course. You beat, go and beat Madrid. 3-0 away from home in the first game of the season and uh, then everybody's happy of course it's, it's, it's same same situation the city's happy people are happy city's happy you're happy club's happy everybody's happy and, uh, and you're the focus of attention because you've, you're the one that did it see when I moved out here you were really quick to help me I remember we had dinner one night went out and it was still the case that people were just everywhere we went became Archie goalers because you scored so many goals adored you mm. I don't know if it was simply about an appreciation of quality or the goals my opinion is that they saw something in how you played the pressure you carried your competitive streak that they they particularly liked I think everybody loves a trier right <clears throat> and if you want to pitch and try your best and on top of that if you're talented in some way and they can see a talented person trying as well and really putting 110% and not just you know, when the, the, the occasion is there to, to use his talent, but he's actually a worker as well. And combined with that, and you're scoring goals and you're getting winning things, it's just a combination of, of things that, uh, that they really appreciate. And is, But the key is, of course, is to win. Is the story true that uh, as you arrive, Maradona's left and his jersey's going a-begging? 
That's a true story that Schuster doesn't want it and you do because of the, the number and the burden of responsibility. No, I didn't want it. Not because it was his, because I just wanted my own number, number eight. Okay. But Bernd had, that was Bernd's number and I had it in my contract so I could have taken it. And I said to Terry, Terry, you know, there was a situation there where it comes up to the game, Bernd sits down beside number eight and I said, Terry, you know, he said, do you want me to tell him? I said, no, no, I'll tell him. So I went and spoke to, to Bernd and I uh, said, Bernd, you know, number eight's my number. Luckily, Bernd spoke English, yeah. a bit of English. He said, no, Steve, number eight's my number. He, I said, yeah, I know, but I said, it's in my contract, it's my number. And it's really important to me. I got a big spiel about how important the number eight is for me. He said, all oh, right, he said. And then he went to a bigger spiel how important it was for him. <laughs> and then this went on for some time. And, uh, and I walked away again. And Terry said, well, I said, well, no. He said, I'll tell him. I said, no, 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 because I could see this is an, a, a point in, in time yeah. where it's going to be make or break for, for everything. I said, no, no, I'll tell him. I'll go and sort it out. So I'm back. I said, Bernd, I'm going to tell you this. I said, I've got this in my contract. I could take the, the jumper right now. It caused, you know, a problem. I've told you everything. That, uh, I've just told you about how important number eight is for me. And that's for scoring goals and everything else. And, but you've explained to me what you've explained to me. And I understand that. I said, that's fine. You have the number eight and I'll take number ten. He said, oh, Steve, thanks. And it was a genuine thank you. Because he didn't want the stigma. He said, I'm not wearing that number ten. He was adamant he wasn't wearing it. And so that moment, that was a moment of make a break for my career in, in, mm-hmm. in the club. Because if I would have taken the, t- the eight, I would have never seen a pass. That's for sure. Yeah. That's guaranteed. Yeah. It might have been an explosion in the dressing room. He might have walked out. Anything about him. Bert was a bit of volatile. <laughs> Lovely guy. And he was a good friend of mine. Still is. Yeah. And uh, we played fantastic football together. And he was my main man in midfield that fed me. And it's like I've seen it to, to midfield players. I knew everything he was going to do. As soon as he lifted his head, I was gone. And he hit me every single time. It was fantastic. But Again. That, and it, that comes from, from that moment. That judgment. You read the situation. And the repercussions. Yeah. And you didn't, you, you, you lost a battle to win the war, or you gave a battle away to win the war. Yeah. Because there was a bigger prize. Bigger picture. People yeah. won't remember Schuster other than what they've seen him doing, managing Madrid recently, Getafe, mm. whatever it might be, wherever else. Yeah. Just, just like you did with Mickey Hazard, help a little bit, because my memory of Schuster was that he was extraordinarily uh, talented, very mobile, quite a good athlete, but used the ball brilliantly. Bent was an athlete. People don't realise he was a big, strong German guy, blonde, a typical German you, you would imagine, right? Big legs, big guy, and he'd run. You know, we'd do there were certain running sessions that 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 uh, in training to, to you know to really puff you out a little bit. Where you start in the byline, you run to six yard back, eighteen back, halfway line back, other eighteen back, other six back, other uh, touch line and back. Uh-huh. You know, you're going full sure. speed, burnt, like a screw. Boom, he's fantastic yeah, engine in him. Uh, and top of all of that, his ability was fabulous. And when I got here, it was after his injury. He'd, he'd been crucified almost by Goiko Chia mm-hmm. in the tackle. That was a concern for him. It was never really fully recovered from that. So he, I can imagine, and I'd seen him when he was, because he came to this club when he was 19. Mm-hmm. Imagine that, 19-year-old. Mm-hmm. Playing this club, yeah. And, uh, and I'd seen him playing in European Championships, I think it was, with Germany mm-hmm. at 19, or, or whatever age he was. Which I think they win. I can't remember. I think they win and he retires aged, yeah. I don't know, 22. It was a scandal at the yeah. time. 
but he was he was fantastic. He could hit me left foot, right foot, any foot. He was his pinpoint accuracy. People have asked me, and I never answered the question, and I never will. Who's the best midfield player? Mm-hmm. You know, there's midfield players that midfield players, but best midfield player for me mm-hmm. as a striker. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's two or three, but you know, Bernd's in there and he's in the mix. Pinpoint, pinpoint, and. And any distance as well, because Ben had big legs and he could really pass a ball from any distance. You, know, you could pick it up in the edge of the yard box, I'd be over the halfway line, and, and away in there, he'd be a 60 ball, a 60 yard ball right up the, up the line, I'm onto it, and, and we're out anywhere. And short as well, and strikes, and penalties. Tell us a story that he kicks. plays for Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Atletico Madrid. Mm. And that really yeah. tells a story about yeah. quality, about people saying that's a winning man, that's yeah. a player that people will come and watch. Because yeah. these are all part of the mix if you're a club, I think you think, who sells the tickets, mm. who lifts the trophies. I, yeah. He's a complicated chap. I, I've, I, I've met him and I don't, I don't know anything like you, but I've met him mm. and he, 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 it's sunshine or storm. Or, and also, he can, it seems to me he's quite volatile. He can go off depending mm. on mood. And also, it, is, it, it was strange. I met her, he had his wife as his agent, and she was very forceful. Yeah, was my experience. Well, she was a she was a strong influence in his life, which is which is fine, and and that's it's up to Bernd and his family to run the, the life the way they want. I never yeah. uh, criticize it or comment on it. It's his life, and he can do it if he's happy. That's fine, good. And uh, he'd come in in the morning, and uh, and I would say good morning. He'd say good morning. Fine, that's it. End of story. I've got no criticism towards Ben Bern at all. Contrary, I can only praise him for the uh, ability he had and the way he used it and the way he helped me on the pitch and the passes he gave me and the goals he scored and the trophy we won and uh, the uh, friendship he showed me in dressing room. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's great to be able to come away from any career and be able to say that too. I also like the generosity. It's not often said in football. I often lament that when you see friendships in football that have been enduring and rich over years, they're often not spoken about. They're mm. too little written about or explained. But this is not a friendship. It's... Because we never went for a meal anywhere. This is a, a camaraderie, I suppose, that I understood him a, maybe a little bit more than the rest did because I had a Nordic mentality, same as his, and I could, you know, I could, I can understand what he's thinking and he, maybe some complexes in there. And I thought, fine, okay, mm-hmm. he's okay with me. I'm okay with him. We're playing great football on the pitch. We're scoring goals. We're winning. End of story. You threw in it's a name res- there. It's a respect thing. The butcher of Bilbao and yeah. Donny Gorkacher. Presumably, you had to play against him too, who, you know, he did Maradona. Did Maradona, did, did Bern, and I was next in line. Yeah, it was just a natural progression. How did that class go? Well, you know, in, in sometimes in situations like that, you think, you know, and it's building up. The whole thing's building up. The game's coming up. You're in Bilbao, and, and Bilbao is an intimidating atmosphere. Back then, you can imagine. Because it, it wasn't like Parkhead, anything could happen. Anything could have happened, yeah. <laughs> and you know that the guy you're playing against has done the two foreigners that have been there before yeah, you. Yeah. And you know, and there's been mumblings in the press and everything else. So you've got to take a, a viewpoint, maybe a little bit differently. And, uh, you know, you talked about intimidation. I was never intimidated, but I thought, there's no way he's going to catch me in this game. No chance. He's got no chance. So I played the side of him, not in front of him. Always played to side him, so he could never catch me, and that was it. I just thought I'll get through this game. I'll get through it. He's not going to catch me. He's not going to crock, crock me, and uh, and then we'll, go on, we'll move on. And that's it. End of story. I love game management. I love defender management. It's a great Got concept. It. 
in a situation like that you've got to it's stupid trying to be brave you're going to go and play in front yeah, of somebody that is, is half almost half to your your predecessor I don't know your predecessor uh, Maradona and Bernd who's still playing and uh, and nearly finished their careers mm-hmm. you've got to take a, a, a view on it right yes you get through it don't play in front of them play beside them see them at all times and that's it Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. I didn't really know about this until we went out at that time in Barcelona and people were kind of doing it. The, the, the goal with the ear mm. is, is, a, is, a, is a fantastic goal in a difficult stadium to do, to do something extraordinary in the old European Cup, which was like just the, the holy grail, maybe even more than the Champions League is now. The situation is Juventus against Barcelona in the European Cup and mm. I think you've won 1-0 here in a really difficult game. Maybe even Julio Alberto scoring. I'm not... Julio scored, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And it's a very, very good Juventus side, isn't it? It's a top Juventus side. You've got Platini, yeah. Michael Laudrup, Boniek, mm-hmm. all in that squad. Gentile. It's all the top Italians. It's, it's, it's uh, Phil Monte. And you're in there, it's cold, cold nights, solid ground, the fans, the flares... You're talking about intimidation. The old Comunale, which is right <laughs> on top. It's a if you're going to be intimidated, that's, <laughs> that's the place you're going to that's, get it. And that's not a joke. It's, <laughs> no. it's, it's true. And you're 1-0 you're down. You know, there wasn't blanket coverage of it all. Most people um, listening to this won't understand the geometrically like an impossible thing you did to score. T- tell <laughs> me. Uh, it's, it's coming from... I think the ball's coming. You're up. My, my mentality says that when we've talked about it before, you knew that... It was a vital thing to get a goal, to calm the crowd, to change the dynamic of the game. What happens? The ball comes over from the left and take up the well, tail. Well, funnily enough, it came from, yeah, we're, we're attacking um, the goal and from our left-hand side it comes, it comes in. And ironically, it came from Victor, not from Schuster, who'd be a, you know, you think, well, a ball like that. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't a brilliant ball, to be Victor fair. Victor Sanchez, St. Moon <laughs> legend. No, Victor Munoz. Pugdemonius, yeah. St. Mirren legend, sorry. Who's, uh, you know, captain Spain for 80 times as well, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and Victor had given me a goal in a, a previous round as well from a Porto. Another pass from Victor straight through. This one's coming against Juventus. And the Porto goal got us through because we were under cosh a little bit. And so did this. So Victor fires one in at the back post, but it's, it's too far. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not burnt, it's Victor. So he's done a great job. He's got it in. 
and um, and it's coming right across and, and the key to the whole goal is Carrasco who's coming to support and he's screaming for it now the goalkeeper thinks it's impossible the angle's impossible can't go in Carrasco comes screaming goalkeeper can goalkeeper anticipates I'm going to knock it back because nothing else in his mind there's nothing else can be done but the cutback yeah, but the cutback and so Carrasco comes screaming keeper comes out thinking oh, I'll pick this up and, uh, and left that hole left the goal wide open as, as he's coming at the Carrasco there's this tiny eye of a needle what between he's, his left hand and the post you see it because I've got a television camera right there I know I'm going to smash into the television oh. camera okay. I'm right on the line it's impossible angle. He's coming screaming for it. I see a slight movement from him, catch him moving, and I just see a, a big space. And that's and, it. But and the key it, to it was Carrasco. Does it come off your ear or the side of your head? Because you, you no. kind of got to lean, and, and I don't know what you did with that. <laughs> no. no. It still shouldn't have gone in. No. It, uh, it wasn't in the ear, but people say it's, uh, it was scored by the ear, and, and I've given up. So... <laughs> I say Again, people, I that tell point people out, that's honestly, not like you. That must have been years no, and years of people years saying Years and years. People saying they go with the year. I say, yeah, but it wasn't here. It was just this part of my head. He says, oh, was it? Right. And he said, yeah, yeah, but it was really the year, right? And so that's it. So I've given up. It was a year. So it takes you through to, I, I really don't want to end this in a miserable way, but you, you know, you, you played in the European Cup final. Mm-hmm. You know what struck me is that you told me something, because apart from a bright football man, you're a tough man. And you and you're very articulate too. You told me once about the pain you went through to play in that final. Mm. You had an injury. Was it a hamstring injury? A bad hamstring injury. Bad hamstring, which yeah. keeps you out of the Gothenburg semi final. Yeah. Which should have been the Aberdeen semi final because they put us out there. <laughs> Swedish bastards. Yeah. It's, it's the truth as well. <laughs> horrible, horrible, horrible <clears throat> defeat. Otherwise, it would have been the dandies against Barcelona. But have we never defeat again? Uh, you see, let's just. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when did that? Did that was a goal with you? I'm not <laughs> hearing you at all. Yeah. But um, no, it was a you, shame. You've yeah, got a bad, right. bad injury, and, yeah. and somebody suggests there's this guru in no. Amsterdam. Or... Nobody suggested. Okay. What somebody suggested, because there's a big pocket of blood in the back of my leg, what somebody suggested was the doctor, club doctor, that it, he says it's impossible. You forget it. Big pocket of blood, limping. He said, what we're going to do is we're going to cut your hamstring and take that bit out and sew it back. I said, oh. no, you're not. You're not cutting anything. <laughs> no, because then you're finished. It's gone. It's over. So I thought, I remember uh, Brian Robson always had been injured. You know Brian? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he, he, you know, he, but he, he was playing the next game. And True. then with serious injuries, people think, how the fuck is he doing mm. that? He must be a really tough guy. But of course he was a tough guy. But... Um, but there was another secret to it, and that was the physio he was using. So I phoned Brian, I said, Brian, who's the physio, and, and how's that working? Is he good? And I said, I've got this problem. And he said, yeah, he said, he's absolutely fantastic. He's the best there is. He says, but I swear to you, he said, if you can't handle pain, forget it. He said, I'm not talking about just pain, really sore pain. Incredible pain that you'll have to, you'll end up crying, but you'll have to endure it. Because if you can't endure it, it, it won't work. He said, if, you, if you're willing to do all of that, then go and see him. So that's what I did. I phoned Richard Smith, a guy called Richard Smith. And uh, Richard uh, was happy to see me. I told the club, which you can imagine called a big stink because nobody had ever done it before. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to use my own doctor. I'm not using him because it's not The Spanish not being Spanish, it's a, it's a slight to our honour. Yeah. And... yeah, but it's my leg. And, uh, 
that's true. <laughs> I'm not disputing it, but it's, that's quite you. Yeah. Quite fucking <laughs> yeah, fucking <laughs> and nobody's going to cut my hamstring and sew it back together. No, again. obviously not. No, no. So uh, off I go to, uh, so I phone Richard and he says, Yeah, come over, come over. So I went to Amsterdam and uh, and he looked at me and he, this guy, and he lay me on a bed. And this guy, he said, I can't remember the guy's name now, he's an old guy and he had funny eyes and he was weird. And I thought, Fuck me, what have I done here? <laughs> This guy said, uh, he said to the guy, he said, look at Steve and see what you think. So this old guy, you know, strong guy, but he had a, like a, a cloth, like a towel, a cloth. He said, right, and he started rubbing my, my whole body, my legs, with the cloth for some reason, my body, and he turned over and rubbed my back and my legs, everything just rubbed, hard rubbing. And the guy said, after that, the guy said, yeah, I think he'll be okay. And he said, let me see your eyes. And I looked at him in the eyes. He said, yeah, yeah, no, eyes are good. He said, he'll be okay. So Richard said, okay, thanks, whatever his name was, and he went off. And then he said, okay, jump up here and let's have a look at it. And uh, then he started the massage, but it's a massage that that um, you can't even call it, you can't call it a massage, because what he did was he had to break the fibres again and make it all bleed, and then get ice on it and flush it all through. And uh, and that was the, and that's it, you know, that's what they do, they break the fibres, so they're breaking your, your tissue, breaking it, with their elbows, knuckles, Standing on something, so got higher leverage on him. They're leaning on you. He had uh, his assistant was a champion kickboxer, so he's built like solid muscle and bone. Eight hour sessions, four in the morning, four in the afternoon, and that's what he did. Doctor come over three or four days into it from here, just to, because clubs are going to see what's, he's, what's happening there. <laughs> so doctor stays there. He said, "I'm not staying here. I'm not having anything to do with this." He said, "I'm not. I'm not." Yeah, no, I'm off. He thought this is just yeah. gobbledygook rubbish. I've never seen no, it. Like he, said, he said because by then my 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 leg was just raw, and they're massaging every day, and then they're icing again. And he said, oh, no. And he he, just, he left. He went. And I was left. <laughs> he couldn't stand the pain of watching it. Yeah, he couldn't bear watch. He said, I can't watch it. He said, no. But uh, so three or four days into it, and then you know, in the ice, and and then again and again, and special diet as well eating the right things, sleeping at the right times. And then a week into it, we start running. And it's a week, just a week. I've gone through a, a pocket of blood and a, a, you know, a hamstring that somebody wants to cut and because hmm. it, was, it was over. And a week into it, I'm running and running again. And then I think seven, uh, eight days, nine days, I'm f- sprinting flat out in eight or nine days. And then he's throwing little balls for me to volley into, volley into the net. He said, he said, I want you to shoot this, shoot with all your power. I said, oh, I can't. No, I'm, I'm, I'm like like that, like that shooting. He said, no, 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 shoot properly. So I shoot properly and, and it pulls a little bit and then starts massaging again on the spot. Throws another ball, bam, and then just grants it. And that's how it went. And uh, and that was it. It was just massage for probably two weeks. Yeah, no, 10 days. And then into training, running, sprinting, shooting. Well, all, always massaging. And, and he, he fixed it and that got me... And Terry said to me, he said, he said, if you can back and improve your fitness, you play. Mm. Simple as that. Mm. Said, That's all I'm, asking. I'm not asking anything else. That's it. And I can back and improve my fitness. Because Alonso, in your absence, has gotten through this dramatic game where they lose, they lose pretty embarrassing. It's only 2 0 in Sweden, but it's a, it's a big yeah. defeat. Yeah. And Alonso gets, I think, the three in the. Peachy scored a hat trick in the yeah. return. But if I'd have played in, in Gothenburg, we wouldn't have lost. Yeah. We'd have won the game. Yeah. And that's no, my, that's when Terry says, Steve, if you're fit, you're playing. There's no surprise in my part. I know mm. why he's saying that. Mm. It's, it's no, clear. But it comes back to the it comes back to the peachy thing, and I'll address that at some stage uh, properly in the book. 
you know, people, people take the easy way out saying Archibald should never have played. Archibald should have played. Archibald took you to that stage with his goals. Peachy came in and scored three goals when you'd lost 2-0. Mm-hmm. If Archibald would have been playing there, you wouldn't have lost 2-0. Mm-hmm. You'd probably won the game. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't have had to score the hat-trick mm-hmm. in the return match. So, you know, people have got to um, think properly mm-hmm. of how that whole process went. And that's how it went. I'm not bullshitting. I don't blow my own horn. I'm just no. stating facts. If I'd have been in that Gothenburg game away, we wouldn't have lost the game. Mm-hmm. Because I was flying at the time. And uh, the team was working well. And it's just how it was. Gothenburg going to beat us in that, in that night. That wouldn't have happened. And uh, so, you know, I come back and I prove my fitness and uh, tell you, okay, you're in. And Peachy was out. Peachy played one game, mm-hmm. right? So, okay, it was a great game. He scored the three goals, which was fantastic on the night. Uh, but still, you know, I brought us through Juventus, through a Porto, through other games. My goals had helped us win the league to get us into champion mm-hmm. and the European Cup, etc., etc. So, you know, I just want to address that a little bit more. No, it's, it's really important. And, I, and, I, and remembering the... the, the style of play and the level of form and, and the huge disappointment when people speak to me who were in Seville for that final against Bucharest the, the disappointment that socios, coulees, Basque fans speak about the, the fact that you were you know, taken off, that the coach lost a bit of faith in you too soon in the final the fact that they maybe didn't see exactly yeah. the form that had brought you that far. No, because is, the reason was because Steaua Bucharest came to defend nothing else. It was horrible. I'd they didn't cross the, the line. They yeah. didn't cross the halfway line. It was unbelievable. And, and, but People in history, when you look back, they won it and we didn't. They don't care how they win it. And it happened with, it's happened with other teams who have kind of done the same thing and got a goal somehow or got penalties. Red Star, in the game. Say. People forget. Red when star. people criticise the Champions League right now, people forget the absolute utter fucking dross that we had to watch when teams just went we've got nothing to do except forget a fluky goal or wait for penalties and you watched utter rubbish in the European Cup yeah but it was, champ- those two it was champions of the league not this bullshit this league, uh, Champions League I it was the champions that. of each league and it was two of... ga- hold on it's two games you win there and you mm-hmm. win at home and you're through now you can lose a game here lose a game there and you still get through it's bullshit but we get better quality football league. we get better attacking attitudes we get more open football more creative football and the swap to go back to what we saw in Seville that night where one team turned up and just weren't mm. interested in playing that's yeah. not football but would I change it now and uh, have us going out and defending like that and having the medal yeah fine because all, all in all you want the medal you've done it not me I, I accept that <clears throat> think, of the, think of them where they came from it was crap the way they played I didn't like it I wouldn't have played that way to be fair I wouldn't have you know, no. I would have hated to play that way yeah. but you know Terry took Bernd off mm-hmm. and then he took me off mm-hmm. and I said to him you shouldn't have taken me no. off because I was just coming into it now my injury was it was more I was more fluid in the last 20-30 minutes of the game and I felt it because the ball came flashing across the goal and I got it and nobody else would have got it. It was just one of these things that came. It's an instinct thing. I got it. I didn't I directed it towards goal, but it didn't, it didn't hit the target. But then I thought, oh, that's it. I'm in. So just at that moment, he decided to take me off. And he's asked me in the, in, since then, he said, uh, and he asked me recently, and I said, well, you, you have mistakes and stuff. And I don't know what he wanted me to say, hmm. but I said, no, you made a mistake. Hmm. You should have kept Bernd and myself on because we'd taken you to the, the whole thing. I'm a little bit... Both of you would have scored the penalties as well, which nobody else in the team seemed capable of even hitting the was a penalty taker, yeah. The main penalty taker. Ruti, our goalkeeper, scored the penalty, saved penalties. It was, a, it was an incredible finish to it. But, and through all that, Richard Smith, who'd 
got me to where I am, had come with us on the trip, and he was treating everybody huh. for all the knocks before the night. Uh, two, uh, three days, they were at a hotel from there to the, the game time, and the players were thinking, oh, that's brilliant. You know, you easing up angles with this. It was incredible. It's, it was, it, it's very distressing that it wasn't at win, but it was, it was a European farm, nonetheless. Uh, when Man United played here, I said to Fergie night before the game, well, I'd give you my experience in this and you, you should use it as a motiva- motivational or any way you want to use it, but use it. In my cup final, we lost it. And after the game, you walk past that cup. You can't, you, you can't even bear to look at it yeah. and you certainly can't touch it. You can only walk past it and you'll never get another chance. He said, fuck no, he said, I oh, know, I can't use that, it's too much fucking stress. So after the game, um, I'm at the game and, and uh, they obviously win in the circumstances they won. And uh, he comes up the stairs and, and I'm just waiting at the top of the, the, the tunnel to congratulate him and stuff. He said, I fucking used it at half time. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have to stand and look at that trophy not having won it and walk past it and let them... Can't touch it. You can look at it, but you can't touch it. And that's a hell of a thing for a player to, to think about. That's what I was going to say. What's shown out of this? I, I knew what you're like when you're dissecting football. Your football brain is terrific, but allied to the fact that you've done it and you, you, your football articulacy is a joy. Again, I'll say it, as I said in this interview before, there are not, not ever, the majority in football don't do this, can't do this. Mm. And it's attractive to be near football intelligence. It's why I live here. Mm. I don't live here for the. I, don't, I can't speak for you. It's not just nice cuisine or there's a beach or. No, it's, I, it's a different football philosophy. I've been yeah. near thinkers and analysers and performers of football who have utterly made my my life better, mm. not my profession. Yeah, it's, it's a joy, and that's why I wanted to come here to dinner. It's why I'm also pleased that you're gonna you're gonna put this down in a book finally. This and a million other anecdotes. Well, yeah. you're going to bring your because you've got an. I think you watching on Twitter. You've got an enormous fan base at all the clubs that you play at. People who want to to do what we're doing now and mm. understand your life, hear about your career. You, we we enjoy producing that. Yeah, I'm beginning to enjoy it now. I've done the first um, seven or eight thousand words, and uh, we're preparing it to send to publisher. And uh, I'm enjoying it, and I, I think I'll enjoy it for more for my family because and my kids. Uh, you know, be, and that's why I'm doing it because somebody said to me one day, and, and, and that's when the, the the button was pressed, and because I was never ever going to do it, he said it'd be a legacy for your kids. They don't mm. they don't know what's happened to that's you really. Point. They've heard stuff. Yeah, it's a chance for you to put it down and you know, let them see it, and let them you know understand how all these things went, how they happened, what you come through. Because you can get to the top, but you got to, you you got to come through a lot of shit to get to the top. Mm. You got to, there's a ton of things I had to do. You know, as a mechanic, I was a mechanic till I was twenty, mm-hmm. um, and then I came into professional football at twenty-one. But I worked my, my balls off till I was twenty. I was, you know, out in the morning. I was uh, to my work, finished work, training with Clyde. Then after training, doing homework till two in the morning, then back to work. It was just continuous, which gave me some sort of character and strength, I suppose, because mechanic lifting everything else and lifting stuff and and uh, and everything else that I was doing and, and just the movement and then the training then you're looking at the guys in front of you and training it's a guy called Don Sullivan, Sullivan mm-hmm. who you'll know very well Clyde Celtic Clyde nice mid- elegant midfielder Clyde Aberdeen Celtic and uh, he was an elegant midfield player but Dom was the, the, the man that was fastest and everything 
And I thought, I'm going to catch you one day. And that was my aim at Clyde to get to that. Dom. I didn't know that. And I eventually got him. Yeah. And, and, and I got past him. <laughs> and, and, you know, so all these things. And I don't know, how, I don't know what drove me, really. And all these things. I'm through all the, the, these little things that maybe my kids might look at and take something out of at some stage, but at least they'll know the, the, the proper story. So good choice you've made. I'm glad mm. whoever said that to you did say that to you. This has been a tiny tip of the iceberg. Um, boy, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, you. You've lived all this, but Neil and I are like, like are inside my head right now, it's like inside a champagne bottle. <laughs> That's what it's like, man. That's what you do. Yeah. Steve Archibald. Good. Legendary dandy. <laughs> Regional club, my bollocks. Yeah. Thank you very yeah. much indeed. Thank you. A pleasure. It's been a pleasure. The Big Interview is produced by Backpage and me, Graham Hunter. The music you always hear, the music that you love, is Beer Jacket, who's always been there for us. You can keep up with everything that we do by getting on the mailing list at grahamhunter.tv. How many times do I have to tell you? Yes, several thousand of you have done it, but come on, slackers at the back, sign up. That grahamhunter.tv site is also where you can buy the new updated version of my book, Barca, The Making of the Greatest Team in the World. It's my account of the Guardiola era at the camp now, from 2008 until 2012, plus Tito, Tata and Adios Johan Cruyff. It is in all good bookshops now, but it does also make a big difference to all of us who've worked on the project. If you choose to buy direct, particularly for Christmas at grahamhunter.tv forward slash books. You'll be sure to get the new edition and you will be helping us to continue producing independent content. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being there. Without you, this would be fun, but a lot less fun. See you soon.